Texas Business Minds, a presentation of the Texas Business Journals, brought to you by Texas Mutual Insurance Company, a workers' comp provider committed to helping companies build a stronger, safer Texas. In this episode, we explore the role of landscape architecture in our communities, as Houston Business Journal Managing Editor Jonathan Adams welcomes TBG President Bill Odell. How are things going with you? Things are going great. Thanks, Jonathan. So tell me a little bit about yourself. So, uh, Jonathan, I am uh, the president of TBG Partners. We're landscape architects and planners. We uh, have been in business since 1987, actually started in Austin, Texas, and then have grown over the last 34 years to Houston, San Antonio, and Dallas. And um, got about 130 employees in those offices. And, and really what we do is we really focus on everything we design becoming kind of a memorable place, a place really that, that people can focus their stories of their lives in places that really create memories for them. And we do that obviously through the through outdoor spaces. And, you know, I think through this pandemic that we've all been living in, I think it's something that everybody has acknowledged more and more is just as we've all been remote, more those outdoor spaces are, are spaces that um, people are focused on a lot more. And so we have the pleasure of working with those. How did you get involved with uh, TBG? You know, I actually, believe it or not, I got the TBG straight out of, of college. I went to Oklahoma State University and ended up really just, you know, looking for a job back in 1995. I've been at TBG since 1995 and really just found a great firm in Austin. And actually, when I joined TBG, I was the 11th employee. So I've seen a lot of growth over the years at TBG, but started in Austin and then moved to Houston in 2000, uh, where I became the managing principal of our Houston office. And I led that office for 15 years before taking over as president in 2019. What brought you to Houston? When did you kind of want to make that move from Austin to over here? Opportunity. <laughs> I, think <that's, laughs> I think that's what brings most people in sometimes to Houston. It seems like there's a lot of transplants to Houston, but opportunity. I had an opportunity to really grow professionally. And, and I took that step, obviously not knowing what that was going to be. And here we are 21 years later in Houston, and it's been wonderful. What got you interested in the business and architecture landscape? Really, it was just that fact of spending time in a lot of outdoor spaces. You know, growing up, I grew up in a very small town in Oklahoma. So I grew up really kind of exploring nature and the outdoors. And through, you know, middle school and even high school, I got involved in really doing, as most kids do, landscape maintenance, really mowing yards and doing things like that. But then, you know, I had certain folks that would say, hey, could you take a look at this, take a look at that? And I found out that landscape architecture was actually a profession that you could you could have. And so I uh, I jumped into learning more about that and, and, and found out that Oklahoma State had that degree. And since then, I've really kind of seen the profession grow a lot. Like I said, through this pandemic, I think the profession has gotten even more of a spotlight on what we've been able to, uh, to do for folks. For sure. So what challenges have you faced in launching your career? You know, I think the challenges that I've faced are really a lot of challenges that a lot of folks have faced, which is just um, understanding the path that that you want to take, um, especially when you come out of school, you don't quite know exactly what you don't know. And, you know, I think just finding that place that fills your bucket that kind of keeps you going and, and motivating you to kind of keep growing and exploring. And, and for me, it was just more and more opportunities and being involved in, in really great projects and seeing really those projects being developed and seeing people interact in them. Those have really been things that have kept me going and kind of help also inspire and mentor others. What has been your uh, most significant project in your career? 
That's hard. That's that's a hard one, Jonathan. <laughs> I've got five children, and it's hard to say which one's my favorite. Right? You can't quite right. do that. No, I uh, I I really think that one of the projects that probably I, I remember the most is then I said remember the most when I I, I had so much pleasure in doing it because it was early in my career, but working when I first came here to Houston on a project called Market Street in the Woodlands, which is right across from Cynthia Woods Pavilion, outdoor kind of shopping center and mixed use development and really designing that and designing that the public park space was something that I had a lot of joy in. And, and that one's kind of jumps to the top, but don't tell anybody else because I don't want my other projects to fill as though they're left out. I hear you. <laughs> so you touched on it a little bit about how uh, mentorship is important to you. How have you kind of handled that situation in a COVID world? You know, I tell you what, in a COVID world, it's kind of interesting. You know, at our firm, when, when we all went remote, especially being in four different locations. And I was somebody that was, was actively involved in all of our different locations. I was worried about that. I was worried about how, how we could, could still mentor and, and lead. And, you know, what's interesting, we just really became closer and became stronger. And for me, I think it's just doing a lot of Zoom meetings and team meetings and really interacting with folks and learning to communicate better, you know, ask better questions, listening better. Those are all types of things I think that have worked well. But I think mentoring others is just continuing to challenge individuals on you know, chasing their passion. That's something that, that I talk a lot about with our staff is chasing your passion and finding out what it is that inspires you. And so TBG is present in each of Texas's major cities. And I noticed that it's also across the country. So what are some of the differences that you're seeing in needs between like Dallas, San Antonio, Austin, Houston? Well, there's a, that's a big question too. There's a lot of similarities and there's a lot of um, differences. I think, you know, just even though we're all in Texas, we know each of our, our four major cities that we're located in are all uniquely different um, in regards to just how they've grown in regards to, you know, opportunity and, and so forth. But in a lot of ways, they're very similar. I think, as we all know, Texas is really kind of having a, a, a land rush in a way in regards to so many people moving to Texas on a daily basis. And specifically in our four major cities, we're seeing a lot of that. So I think one of the biggest challenges that we're, we're facing every day and have been facing for a while, but I think it's become more of an emphasis here recently is just the learning to grow in a smart way and how can we help do that? How can development be done in that manner? I think the other thing that we're seeing specifically in Austin, Dallas and Houston also, but specifically in Austin, really affordable housing is our urban cores and and the place that a lot of folks have grown up and lived are becoming more and more expensive living. So how are we creating opportunities for uh, those individuals to still have a, a community and place to live that's affordable? And how does that affect transportation and and can go on and on and on, but that's uh, those are some of the challenges that I think are are out there, and, and specifically to some of our larger cities. Texas has had a huge surge in population over the past several months. In what ways are you seeing the state and major cities handle growth in terms of urban design? I think it's just maybe what we're seeing is that a lot of our design, although it's happening quickly, is being kind of thought in a way that's looking forward a little better. And I say that in regards to maybe just focusing on sustainability and resilience in the design process and not just trying to build to be there for the masses when they come. Does that kind of make sense? You know, I think that maybe in the past, sometimes we would just build on opportunity. I think now at least we're focused on really focusing on the sustainability and that resilience looking forward. And what does that mean to the future, that project that we're building, not just today, what's it mean in 20 years, 30 years, 50 years. How do you determine what it means as far as looking so far in advance goes? 
you know, I think we have to take what we know. We have to we have to take what we know and the lessons we've learned, right? So, you know, one luxury of being a firm that's that's been in business for 34 years doing landscape architecture and planning is that we've got a lot of lessons to go back and look at and study. And so we take those. That's really the beginning point. We take those and then we we see how things have changed and, and take the things that we've done well and do them better and take the things that we have not done so well and and not do them. And then really take the the science and what's being done in other parts of the country and the world and really trying to incorporate those into what we're doing. That's bigger than just us, but we have to be at the table starting a conversation or at least being in the conversation. And then we have to have clients that are willing to, to see that also and, and really focus on looking forward and again, thinking about the project more than, than the next year or two. And in that same kind of mindset, like how has COVID changed that uh, way of thinking in that process? You know, I think COVID has really brought forward the value of this outdoor space, right? I think it's it's really brought forward the value that, you know, gathering in an outdoor space and the interaction that the natural environment has, whether it be from your home to the neighborhood park or whether it be from your office to a rooftop terrace, garden terrace, or to a plaza or to a public civic space that you come gather, all those are spaces that Although they were around before, I think they're more of an emphasis. I think we find more and more clients today that are coming to us with a desire to having that outdoor space as kind of a prominent piece of their project versus maybe an accent piece that would have been, you know, three to five years ago. So I think COVID has really brought that to the forefront. And again, because that's really all we had during, you know, those days that we were kind of remote and everybody was kind of having to stay home. All you really had was going out and walking to the neighborhood park or going out and walking to the downtown park or the civic space that you've that was empty, but still a place that you could go out and, and, and safely distance from others and, and really stop and, and breathe and understand the value of that space. How has TBG collaborated on projects, you know, amid COVID? I think like everybody else, virtual, virtual, virtual. There's been a lot of virtual collaboration that's happened, although, you know, that's hard for specifically designers because there's so much interaction that happens just being across one another and, and drawing on a piece of paper and sharing ideas. That has been very difficult to do in a virtual setting. But I think that there has been some tools. Uh, Miro board is a tool that we use all the time, which is basically a digital whiteboard that allows you to take notes and, and do digital post-it notes on drawings and interact. And that has been a tool that we've used and some of our our clients and, and so forth have used. And that's that's been a tool that we found very, very successful. But it has been very challenging. But I think we've been able to forge that gap with, with some digital tools that are out there and continue to learn and, and look for those type of things. Do you think any of those kind of techniques that you developed over the course of the past, I forget how many months at this point, <laughs> um, <laughs> do you think any of those will stick around for the long term? Oh, I do. I do. I think the, the desire to be around one another hasn't gone away. And, you know, as, as we have opened up our own offices to come together more often. That's obviously something I think everybody has been craving, but those tools such as Mirrorboard, which I just shared, uh, is a tool that we continue to use. And what we've used, not just in our offices as we work on those things, but what we've found is as we have clients that are out of state and we obviously have, have offices in different locations, those tools have become valuable. And I think some of those will definitely stay around for the long term. Is TBG back in office or are you guys still working remotely? We came back into our offices back in the summer and we created a flex working schedule where that everybody would work in the office 
at least three days a week and two days a week had some flexibility to work remotely. Obviously with the Delta variant and everything else was spiking, we have kind of gone back to a more remote type working, but still have our offices open for, for certain collaboration as needed. Bill Odell joining us. In our next segment, he'll share how TBG coordinates flexible work in a collaborative and creative profession. When Texas Business Minds continues. This summer, Texas Mutual Insurance Company sent $330 million in dividends to policyholders across the state. It's our way of rewarding resilient businesses who never wavered in their commitment to working safe. More at TexasMutual.com. Continuing our conversation on Texas Business Minds, as Houston Business Journal Managing Editor Jonathan Adams chats with TBG President Bill Odell. So how does the flexibility work at TBG? Assuming, say, we decide, you know, Delta goes away like next week, how would the flexibility work and what does that process look like? Yeah, so we we studied that a whole bunch. We, we tried to, to, you know, learn from from the experience of COVID. We tried to learn from the remote working, what worked well, what didn't work well. And the one thing that came to the top when we did a survey and, and really I went around and talked to many, many of our employees is the desire to be together for the collaboration of the design process. So we knew that we had to have that in place. We had to have that kind of going forward. But what we also heard was the flexibility of being able to work remote when, when needed because of whether you had children or whether you had certain things you had to do, it just it, it opened up and freed up some things. So what we decided to do going back was that basically we were going to allow everybody to work up to 16 hours, and uh, which is two days, but just take 16 hours a week remote if they wanted. And the reason we spoke to it in hours is because not everybody wanted or needed two days a week to work remote, but some may need two hours a day to be remote. So it allowed people to kind of set their schedule, coordinated obviously with their teams and their team leaders to set a schedule that works for everybody that has flexibility built into it and something that we embrace and we communicate right up front. It's, it's nothing that you go back to and have to ask for. It's, it's already in, in our in our model. So that has been well received. And like I said, we started that and kind of have now kind of backed off that a little bit in regards to maybe a little more, a little bit more remote right now due to the COVID increases, but we look forward to getting back to that. And I think that's going to be a model that's going to work well for us for the future. And so what are some trends that you're seeing in uh, mixed use and office developments at the moment? You know, I think in, in those, I think it's more of a focus out of the gate talking about outdoor spaces and how can those be inter, intertwined with the development. And maybe it's not about having a garden or a courtyard that's incorporating a building, but maybe it's having the building where that it, it from the inside looking out, you're embracing the, the, the landscape and what does that look like? And I think that is something that I think we're seeing more and more of. I think that was kind of happening before COVID. But again, I think specifically with office, we're finding more and more projects that are incorporating more rooftop gardens and more spaces that people can get out into the outdoors, even if they're in a high rise. In the mixed use components, we're finding more park spaces, whether large or small or a corporation or both in the projects. And so I understand TPG is in the middle of a master plan community project in the woodlands. What sort of impact do you think that project might have on the area? It's interesting. I think in, in all master plan communities, I think the value of outdoor space has always been there, but I think connectivity of those spaces and connectivity across the community is important. And I think in the woodlands or anywhere else that we're working on master plan communities, I think it's about 
not about creating the largest lots or the largest homes. Obviously, having a, a mixture and having affordability built in is important, but it's about the trail systems. It's about getting out and having having the spaces that are in the community connect together. And I think in, in the woodlands, you have a lot of that already. And so it's a very competitive market in that in that way. But I think um, what we have found is those outdoor spaces that are in communities, the neighborhood parks, you know, all of that has to be connected through a trail system that's that's more than just connecting the dots, but it's it's intertwined in the in the daily lifestyle of the community and the residents. Are there any kind of unique things that TBG has planned for that community as far as landscaping goes? Well, I think it's, yes, I think there's some things such as nature play is a, is a big focus of ours right now. We're seeing that a lot more in our communities, both in planned communities as well as civic spaces is nature play where that it's not about the off the, the shelf or out of the catalog playground equipment, but it's something that, that we develop in nature. So in the woodlands, we have a lot of existing trees that we try to incorporate, whether it be in the design of park spaces, or we take those trees that have been removed and we turn those into play elements, whether they be, you know, logs that the kids kids can walk on and balance on to, to trees that are cut into benches and tables, incorporating all sorts of learning opportunities. Those are, those are really a focus of ours in not just that community, but, but several others. That's awesome. What advice do you have for people interested in landscape architecture? You know, I think it's, First of all, just acknowledging and understanding what the profession is all about. I think for many years, I think there's been some misunderstanding of what landscape architecture is and what it's all about. I think in the basic term, I think people first think that it's just about maybe planting and gardening, things of that sort. And although that's a component of landscape architecture, it really is about bringing all elements together. And it's about creating spaces, as I started out at the beginning of when we talked about really at TBG, it's about you know creating and designing memorable places. So when you think of it in that terms and you, and you, and you start to believe the, that, then you realize that you're not just creating a, a garden or you're not just creating a playground, but you're creating a space that's going to, you know, it's going to be a space that people are going to have memories created and life stories. And, and that's a pretty cool thing. And we celebrate that a lot at TBG. And, and I think if, um, if somebody's really wanting to explore and, and see what they could do to kind of change the environment they're living in and make an impact environment they're living in, I think landscape architecture is a great Great profession to jump into. And so uh, what's next for TBG? You know, I think for us, we're continuing to, you know, focus on sustainability and resilience. We're focused on affordable housing. Uh, a couple of things that we're doing right now, we've been, we've teamed up both in the Austin area as well as here in Houston. We've teamed up with Habitat for Humanity, where when they're building their homes, we're building those in a community that's designed like any other community that has parks and trails and the entire community is built by Habitat for Humanity. So we're excited about that because it's providing affordable housing options for, for families. And it's giving those families the same amenities, the same access to outdoor space and playgrounds and things like that that anybody else has. And I think that it's important that we do more and more of that, that we understand that as, as affordability is harder and harder to find, especially in our major cities, is that we've got to work with with our smaller cities, we've got to work with, you know, Habitat for Humanity and others that create great options for affordable housing to be incorporated into a community that's just like a community for anybody else. So being, you know, being equal and fair to all is something that I think we're very focused on in every design we do, specifically when it comes to housing and things like that right now. I just remembered that you're part of the uh, Houston Urban Land Institute. Can you speak to that a little bit more? 
Yeah, so the Urban Land Institute, ULI, is a great organization made up of, of design professionals, those that developers, cities, the lending institutions, attorneys, all focused on real estate. And ULI has a lot of great work that they do in regards to studying the value of place, whether it be the built building or whether it be the outdoor space. And so ULI has been really great to, to us and a great organization for us to be part of. We have a lot of partners that we team up with that are part of ULI and the education they provide, not just to our clients and to ourselves, but to the community has been fantastic. And I continue to kind of go out and find ways to educate many, many folks in different parts of the development world, as well as those outside of them. Why do you feel it's important to be involved in something like that? I think it's um, it's always important to learn, right? I think if you get to a point where you think that you've figured it all out, you're probably going to be in a very dangerous spot. And so for us, we, we're we always reaching to learn something. We're always trying to be on the forefront of what's happening and knowing about it before it happens or as it happens, I should say. And we think it's important that, to do that. We think it's important to do that so that we create the, the best project we can create and it also allows us to uh, continue to push ourselves. We're a firm that really believes that we have a lot still to achieve and a lot still to learn. And I think that that hunger and that drive really helps us to find organizations like Uline and others. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate your time today. Thanks, Jonathan. I appreciate you taking the time also. Thanks again to TBG President Bill Odell for joining us. And thank you for downloading Texas Business Minds, presented by the Texas Business Journals and brought to you by Texas Mutual Insurance Company, a workers' comp provider committed to helping companies build a stronger, safer Texas. Texas.